0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan and with me as always is a man who's planning to move to France because they don't have video games, teenagers or TVs.
1: I am the Adam Glass. And if there's one thing I know about France, it's that it has not progressed at all technologically or societally since 1942. Yeah,
0: all all French people are technically Amish if you if you want to know. It's it's a rule. I, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that.
1: Yeah. It's Amish, but they really like 1930s jazz. <laughs> right, right. So, beatnik Amish, you know, that's a thing. Pat, before we get into our movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion over there for a dollar a month to help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film over there, and our supporters vote on what movie we're going to watch from a list I put together. Four films in a theme, and then a fifth option in case you hate my theme, you can vote for Kazam, the Which is its own thing. Shaquille O'Neal. Called Movies it's, Nobody Wants well, to Watch. It's the uh, it's the Uber the Earth theme, right? Uh, the movie that fits into all themes, uh, the movie from all, which all other movies are derived. Getting some real Kazam vibes on this mo- week's movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we're gonna have a chance to loop back around. And-
1: I hope. I hope not. That's all. A dollar a month. Uh, have some real fun over there. Seeing a lot of really great movies over there. Uh, pretty wide variety of films, though. Criterion Collection, as I as I said, every time I every time I try to describe our Patreon movie selection as wide, I uh, am immediately confronted with the fact that the Criterion Collection itself you is can't a really get eclectic much wider mix than that. of movies. Yeah. a little above that one dollar market, five dollars mark for folks who uh, can afford it and want to help keep us going a little bit longer, and we're very grateful for, for it. Uh, grateful for the one dollar folks as well, but certainly grateful for the $5 folks. we like to thank them on air. Thank you so much to Andrew Jarrett, Eric Coronado, Chris Otto, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current $5 supporters. You've been keeping us going for 10 years now. Well, the Patreon for six, but we've been going for 10 years. And right. Well, we really knew you were listening the,
0: even before we had a Patreon to, to, okay. to sort of prove it.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, at least one person on that list our, our friend Stephen Goldmeyer. I'm not sure he's ever actually listened to an episode, but he's been on a few episodes. So, uh, I mean, he listened to and those while they were happening. Too. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> and he's supporting us, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, a bit above that, $10, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently each month. And I get that art printed up on a postcard and write a personalized thank you note. It's mailed off once a month as well. And, yeah, it's really special. It is special. So if you love bespoke mail, a little bespoke art, a little personalized postcard, sign up for that $10 mark. Really helps us. we like to thank those folks on air as well. Thank you so much to our $10 and above supporters. Adam Speakerman, Jason Westhaver, Nina Bajnak, Tracy McGrath, and Patrick Iaco. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion there, and we'll pop up a store dedicated to Pat's art uh, so you can see all those (laughs) past postcards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as uh, one as a T-shirt, a few as buttons, most of them are stickers really it's just whatever whatever uh, as i'm scrolling down the list of check, bo- check boxes, checkboxes uh, <laughs> whatever i happen to a, hit a singular t-shirt uh, you know yes yes um i, but I yeah. mean
0: that, not, they will not make you they really. have one they have one copy of it you can have that one if you're fast enough they they won't make any more <laughs> very, not, very that's limited not run. true um, Red Bubbles print on demand. They'll make you <laughs> as many t-shirts as you want. Assuming you're willing to pay um, like $500 sorry. for that t-shirt. Um, or whatever the probably pretty ridiculous price is. Um,
1: it's not that bad.
0: It's and Valentine's bad, Day is coming up. Show someone yeah, you love yeah. how much you love them by sending them probably something a little confusing.
1: Yeah. What's what's love if it's not confusing? Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> You could write a really clever message on the inside about like you know, this is you know, you you I don't know I don't know how that would work you you figure it out you're the you're the Casanova not me I something about like my heart feels as confusing as this art when I see you and that's why we should be together or something along those lines Um, sounds great here's a picture of, of of an uncomfortable Godzilla woman. Yes, which actually you can't uh, buy. That's, no, that's illegal.
1: You can't buy the Godzilla one. But it is the best Valentine's <laughs> Day card I ever made. <laughs> it read. got copyright yeah. claimed. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much to everyone who has supported us on Patreon, everyone who's bought anything from the red bubble, and thank you so much to you for listening. Pat, yes. before we get into the movie this week. I, I uh, uh, We have to get this, into it right now. Th- no, no. Okay. This episode posts on January 27th. So I thought I oh, wish you a happy oh, birthday. Oh, thank
0: you. And and a happy belated birthday to you as well. I think technically yeah, the well, last I, episode posted on your birthday.
1: The last episode posted on the 20th, uh the day before my birthday. Oh, okay. And I, I think I mentioned it. It's been this is actually through <laughs> it's, the holidays. It's been like a while. This is our first recording. This is our first recording of uh 2023. And uh and last week's episode Louie Bluey, we actually recorded uh like a, I think three, a week and a half before Christmas. Yeah, like about two <laughs> weeks, at least so, two weeks ago. Yeah, um, it's been at least two weeks, but I think it's been more than that. Yeah. Um, well, so, you can send you can send uh, gifts
0: so, to me. Just just write, yeah, Pat, care of Japan, and they'll get to me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: They know they know who you're talking. Yeah, it's mean, uh, really
0: it's it's pretty easy.
1: Don't even bother with the stamps. No, yeah, anyway. they'll, they'll find it. Just, uh, just you know what? Just like
0: chuck it into the ocean. It'll be fine. The garbage patch will <laughs> loop around to me eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Uh but happy birthday, Well, oh, thank you. Uh I have the advantage of my birthday coming first, so I always remember that your birthday's coming. Right.
0: And I always have uh, a panic attack because I have that I, <laughs> I think I have that number problem. You know that the number dyslexia? Yeah. And I always every year have a panic. Is it the twelfth or the twenty first? I don't know. Uh and it gives yeah. me a bit of a heart. And then
1: it resolves itself because I forget, right? Right. And then, and then you wake up on your birthday and think,
0: "I oh, should have said happy birthday to Adam." Damn it! Every year,
1: at, at least a week ago. Well, it's
0: especially since I don't. Especially since you don't publish any of that stuff on any of the social media. So I'm always like, I always have a little bit of scramble, right. and I'm like, on the twelfth, I panic and I go, "Is today's Adam's birthday?" Yeah. And then I hunt around and I can't find any evidence of it, and I get then I give up and I forget. Yeah basically what happens there you go there you go we've been doing this for Uh, like 10 years or at least (laughs) probably more like 15 since we met (laughs) 20 maybe at this point i don't know how long we've known each other frankly it's a long time uh since we were like too many 15 or 16 years old 16 years, 50 how old were we when we met
1: thereabouts i mean technically uh 13 uh but we didn't really hang out in junior high right that's true
0: so mostly uh Tried to avoid hanging out with each other, for being honest.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's, so uh, like, so yeah. yeah. So probably what, like fifteen-ish, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, thereabouts. That's a long time, Adam. That's anyway, that's twenty-four it is, it is, fucking years, Adam.
1: It is a very long time for you to never remember whether my birthday's the twelfth or the twenty-first, and me to never remember whether your birthday's the twenty-seventh or the twenty-eighth. Well, there we I, go. I, I mean, the same problem. It's it's so.
0: it's not. Well, the nice thing is now you have the. The time zone difference as as a as a built in buffer. Like, yes, well, yes. I don't know what fucking time it is there.
1: Happy, I don't even know what day. It close is. to
0: your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Same for me. So. I get to pull the same shit in the other direction. So
1: right, right, it works out. This week we were finishing up a pair of films from Terry Zwighoff. Last week we talked about Louis Bluey, his one hour documentary, uh, about a uh, African American uh, string band musician. And this week, we are watching a two-hour documentary about his friend Robert Crumb and Robert Crumb's family, called Crumb from 1995. Yes, it is just called Crumb, and while Robert Crumb features prominently on uh, both the original poster and the, uh, and he draws the uh, Criterion artwork. Um, this movie is called Crumb because it is about all of the crumbs, not just. Well, about it's Robert.
0: about all the crumbs who want to be associated with the crumbs.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Specific. Let's be very clear here. Yeah. There are a minimum of two crumbs that basically said "fuck no."
1: Right, right, uh, and uh, not for nothing. Yeah, those two crumbs. Good for them. Are, are the are the Crumb systems. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah no it checks out the whole situation there feels like yeah no yeah that that all makes sense we learn a lot about the crumbs uh, here and none of it's good
1: right so very shortly after Louis Bluey, uh decided he wanted to make a film about the Crumb Brothers uh he says three years and it's what, I think it's 10 years between actual release. Um, and then he spent six years filming. Uh, and he was also editing for three of those years. Which is
0: weird because like you, this doesn't feel like six years worth of footage.
1: No. Uh, I think just because everybody's in their forties and fifties, uh, well and he's decided uh, and to he's use 70s equipment.
0: film stock no matter what right like 70 right. late 70s yeah. early 80s film stock there's,
1: there's a point where robert is talking to one of his ex-girlfriends where uh and i don't i don't know that anything here is actually accurately presented but they're looking at things that he says are from 1969 or 19 yeah 1969 and then he says that was 19 years ago um and given the timelines of of when people say this was filming, nineteen eighty eight is the absolute earliest that could be, right? But also, I don't think it's actually nineteen eighty eight.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's well. Uh, see, that thing is again messing around with the film, like using really obviously vintage film stock, um, yeah. means that like it's really hard to get a lock on time because you actually feel like it's like nineteen like late 1970s, like all the time. Yeah. And you're like, but that's a game boy. So fucking hell. I don't, my brain hurts right now. Um, it could have been 88. That could have been one of the first things they did. And then they realized that this was, this was not productive because at least some percentage of his ex girlfriends fucking hate him. (laughs) All right. right, And also not for bad reason, like (laughs) not for not good reasons either on that one as well.
1: Um, so uh, so for the Louis Blouie last week, I cited an AV Club interview uh, that Zwighoff gave a few uh, basically just after the release of, of this uh, of this of both through criteria. right. So 2010. Um, and in that interview, he describes the process of beginning this filming. Uh, that he says that to him, this was never a documentary about Robert. This is always a documentary about all three brothers. Okay. Uh, That he had met Charles and Max and he liked them both and he collected artwork from all three of them. Uh, That he even spent a night at their parents' house before their father died. Uh, And yeah, that he really just wanted to present the family. Uh, which, I mean, honestly, <laughs> feels a little more sinister Yeah, than, like, than it probably should. Cause, I don't know. Just the way... Uh, this documentary isn't even warts and all. It's just warts. Uh, yeah, I mean, about, about and it's possible that this family other.
0: is all warts. Like, that, that can yeah. happen. It does yeah. seem to be the case that this family yeah. is all warts. It's uh, oops, oops, all warts. But, like... Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does feel kind of sinister, but also, like, it isn't really about all the crumbs. Like, it's about all the yeah. crumbs with relationship to R. Crumb, right? Like, right. he is the, right. the right. central nexus of this thing happening and, and existing at all, right? Like,
1: right. And, and R. Crumb is Wighoff's friend. Uh, you know, uh, by the time they started filming here, they'd been in the band together for at least 12 years, 14 years, depending on when filming actually started. because uh, they, you know, I think Crumb started the string band in the early seventies and Zwigoff was a member since 74. So, you know, they'd known each other for years and years. Right. Uh, and according to Zwickoff, uh, our Crumb likes the film. According to our Crumb, uh, Archrum may not like the film. Yeah, but Archrum so doesn't like. it. Really does, according to Archrum, he
0: likes is literally nothing on Earth. So, whatever. Right, right. Not a reliable indicator certainly, of any information. Certainly,
1: certainly nothing. Nothing made since 1940 is is on his list. Uh, and this documentary turns out did come out after 1940. Yeah. So much to um, his chagrin. Um, much to his chagrin. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh what a guy this guy is. Um yeah, I Basically, mean like
0: I I, I feel like every a- time somebody says something like that that's just a euphemism. Like what a guy is a euphemism for what well, what a what a <laughs> what's, fucking piece of shit what's it, like
1: What's the phrase Charles Charles uses that that Robert talks about at the end of the film of uh, Oh, I don't I can't, I can't remember the exact wording of it. Um but essentially essentially a, a, a phrase that's damning with Frank. <laughs> faint yeah. Phrase. I mean, there's
0: a <laughs> fair amount of that throughout the, the whole thing, right? Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't this, know. Uh, yeah. This film is uh, presented by David Lynch. According to the opening credits, uh, David Lynch was not involved with making this movie whatsoever. Uh, okay. <laughs> after it, after it was finished, uh, uh, lynch helped well he gave him some money i don't even know if it helped with distribution uh but uh and they decided to put his name uh as a producer credit or whatever uh just just to help advertise it Zwickoff says that this movie was roundly rejected everywhere he tried to take it uh no matter what the goodwill he had from louis bluey even the uh <laughs> the film festival that Louie Bluey premiered at told him that they would show any movie of his moving forward and he took <laughs> he took crumb to them and, like, and they they home. rejected it yeah. Well, yeah here's the thing yeah. like i i both get it and
0: also disagree with the, like it's one this is, we're in a really this movie put you people in a in a really weird spot right because like yeah. i get it like I also kind of wouldn't want to show it, but I also agree that it's kind of also an amazing documentary in its own special way right yeah um,
1: yeah cisco Cisco called this the best film of the year uh Ebert also loved it ebert uh ebert uh has done commentary with Zwickoff for the film um unsurprising that Roger Ebert would be a fan of ourrum's work uh, no this is <laughs> this is
0: uh, i mean. Yes, Arcrumb being right up Ebert's alley is the least surprising thing you've ever heard in your entire life.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the production of this, like I said, it was years long. Uh, there were points in time where Zwighoff was, uh, he had severe back pain, he had severe depression. Um, based on something Ebert said, there was a rumor for a little bit that... Uh Zwickoff was suicidal during production. Right. But but some some phrasing Roger Ebert used at some point. Um and the Ebert stuff is on the Criterion DVD by the way. Uh but some phrasing that Ebert used at some point suge- made people assume that Zwighoff had held a gun to his own head to get Robert Crumb to agree to make the movie. Uh which is which is not true. Uh Right. But but he was he was suicidal at points, uh, as this became a project that seemed more Sisyphean. I think, right? While being made, I mean, you film anything for six years, but I, I have mean, to it's just too long,
0: right? Like it, it,
1: it. <laughs> it's two hours long. There's, there's. I least, didn't mean the like, movie's too long. I meant
0: minutes. like filming for six yeah. years is too. Like right. filming a it's documentary for do six it. years is too long. It just it is. is. Yeah.
1: But I, I say that to say, he filmed a lot. Yes. Like, what we get is two hours. There's also deleted scenes that are another 45 minutes, I think,
0: on the, right. On the and, DVD. Right, and I didn't get to see those, but 50, I suspect... 50 minutes. I suspect... Of unused footage. ...that, that his approach with Louis but to a certain extent, his inexperience as a documentary filmmaker came back to bite him in the ass, right? Because, like, we got the same yeah. information about Louis Bleu, right? Which is he just filmed... Just endless feet of footage and then like had to cut yeah. it down and build the whole thing in editing. Well like Louis Bluey he's a character who I, is good at telling stories and so you're gonna get a lot of footage, but he also has a <laughs> right? a sense of organization to his existence, right? Like yeah. you get the impression this is a man who's significantly more put together in his mind than Crumb. Yeah.
1: Louis Louis Bluey uh you know he's an older guy but he's a cool guy.
0: Yes, exactly. Our
1: crumb is not cool. No,
0: and and so uh, our crumb is going to generate none, significantly more footage that you have to cut down to make none, it anything comprehensible. None of the crumbs
1: are cool. No, uh, and I have to imagine uh, there is a certain amount of psychic damage that. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Right. Exactly. Every time he talked to any of the crumbs, I assume
0: he had so. to like roll for psychic like like <laughs> resistance yeah. or whatever. Like it's it's really like yeah, hanging out with it. Yeah. Like. Man, like even for us as audience members, we, we experience noticeable psychic attacks. So yeah. you're just like you're like, Oh man, what am I listening to these people talk about?
1: Yeah. And this is uh unlike unlike Louie Bluey, this one's padded out, uh, not in a bad way, but it is one reason it is longer. Is that we get commentary from critics, we get commentary from uh Crumb's ex girlfriend and ex wife. Uh and current wife and uh current fans. People where, like, as Louis Yeah, like louis louis, 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 louis louis was pretty centric on our character. And right. this certainly isn't not centric on our crumb. Right. Um, and and, and I was uh, I and I would have to say that like if I, I get what they're doing here, but
0: like to me that also sort of breaks the kind of documentary that I I like Louis Blue better than this. Even though I get why this I, one is really, oh, I absolutely like. I get that this one is is good and uh, an interesting documentary and well done. Like I, I also don't I, enjoy listening to Crumb or any of the Crumbs talk for any significant amount of time. That's okay, the thing.
1: But, I like Louis Bluey. Yes,
0: I also like him as a person. As a, right, he seems like a cool a dude person. to hang out with. Yeah, and he might show you his weird pornography Bible. <laughs> like that just seems like a really yeah. interesting afternoon. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. The weird the weird sex stuff does does pop up with Louis Bluey. But too. he
0: feels uh, cool when he's talking about it in a way that like <laughs> The Crumb does not. Crumb seems dangerous. All the crumbs seem dangerous.
1: Louis when when Armstrong is talking about uh his his Tijuana Bible that he's put together his his Porn encyclopedia or whatever it is—the ABCs of pornography—I think is what he calls it. Um, he does talk about it, particularly being sexually gratifying for for the reader, right? Yes, now, uh, or or whatnot. Uh and maybe it's just that it's two two black guys in their eighties talking about this, and also that the guy he's talking, the guy he's showing it to is is like flipping through it but also actively disinterested yeah no it it kind of feels like he's us he's a nice audience
0: stand in for like you're just gonna show this to me huh all right here we go
1: having a really having a real polite conversation about this and not shutting it down but also okay whatever um yeah with with crumb i don't know uh crumbs
0: stuff has an aggression to it that yeah. There's a malice and aggression to it that is just not present in anything we see from Louis Blee. Like it just Right. They're they're like very interesting sort of opposite signs of a coin with regards to like they're both very interested in sexuality. Like they, it comes up a lot in both of theirs. Yeah. But like Louis Blee's just doesn't feel threatening in any really meaningful yeah. way. Whereas Crumbs feels kind of always threatening. Um, yeah to a certain extent yeah
1: and it's and and it's interesting you know even even beyond the critic critical commentary we get within the film uh that scene in the art gallery uh where a woman starts explaining how she saw herself in robert crumb's portrayals of women and how that felt empowering to see a woman uh Shaped like her that uh, that was sexual and and free Um, is interesting, especially as she's saying this in a in an interview where Crumb himself is standing right there and he starts sexually harassing her immediately. Yeah. Uh.
0: I mean, it seems like that's what he does. Right. Like we're going to get into it deeper. Like it's we have to. But like. The thing about it is, is that like, the other thing that I kind of noticed is that like, Louis Bluey has an ex, has an ex, he, I'm sure has an explicit sort of self awareness about who and what yeah. he is, and I and I don't believe that Crumb doesn't have an awareness about what who and what he is, but Crumb is hides behind a facade of pretending that he doesn't. If yeah. that makes sense, he 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 is and like. Is a thing I can't ever like go up. And this is, it's interesting because like, I don't, this is all accepting like outside of crumbs, actual art output. Right. Like, cause like, I don't particularly care for all a lot of it, but like, I do like some pieces. And then I like a lot of people who were influenced by crumbs work. Yeah. Like who later day who are seem to be more willing to engage with being self-aware of what they're doing. Whereas he seems to avoid being self-aware in a, in a vocal way as a as a mask right like he yeah. uses he uses sort of being kind of like his sort of unassumingness combined with a sort of like oh i don't i don't know why i make what i make i just make it man like i don't
1: right i don't right,
0: think right. about it it's not got a message as a as a shield yeah, to avoid criticism
1: i think i think uh that zrikoff in editing uh and I don't know, I don't know if Crumb is self-aware enough to, to, to read it this way. I don't know if anyone else watching this movie would necessarily read it this way, but I really do think that, uh, we get that British guy, Hughes. Yeah. Who praises, praises Crumb's work in a very scholaristic, uh, standoffish way. Uh, right. Calls him the modern, day, the Bruegel of the 20th, 20th century. um, But every time, every time we get that British guy praising Crumb in such uh, such literary professor language, uh, we immediately cut to Crumb being being dumb or just doing something mundane or staring at people on the street or right. And then uh, they also
0: they're interspersing the the artwork that he's sort of addressing as well. And like you know, the thing is, is again, like I don't, you know. I hesitate to comment on the artwork itself too much because that's not what the movie's really about. It's mostly about Crumb as a person. Um, But yeah, the way even the, but even then, like, man, this movie feels it. I will say like it looks seventies, but everybody's got the sort of mentality (laughs) of mid nineties. It's real fucking gross. (laughs) It's so weirdly, grossly neoliberal. It hurts at
1: times. I think, I think the critic interviews were late in the process and, and, Zwickoff so mentions that the critical stuff was at the behest of one of the producers, so so I bet it was. I bet all of those portions are from ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, I, that's my assumption. That's what it feels like. Uh, yeah. So so Hugh, like, there's one there's one sequence where they're talking about uh, the the sexism contained within the, the the sexual fantasy elements of Crump's work where Hughes says uh, that, uh, you know, all this really is, it's just an acknowledgement that people do really think like this. Um, And that's sort of the excuse people give to is racism, too. Right. Uh, And then the American uh, female cartoonist that they talked to, Trina Robbins, uh, you know, talks about it being, it's horrific, you know, and, and just, and even says that just presenting this, um, you know she even kind of uh, that, that for the sexism she even sort of removes crumb from it and says that uh, her main complaint seems to be that presenting this encourages people to think like this which is a very uh, 90s not, thing like it's whatever, like, it's, the, yeah. it's like it's like games
0: we, make people murder people thing sort right. of argument like, whatever
1: whatever the motivation for the author putting it in there just the fact that it is presented to a wide audience influences people and
0: so i in the uh, end i hate all of them
1: universally. Yeah, yeah. I don't like uh, basically even,
0: a single person we talk to for the yeah. entire
1: movie. Even even his wife, Aline, says Robert's not like this. He's just capturing people's id. And then in that same 5 minutes, we have Robert Crumb himself saying, "Oh, I get aroused when I draw women like this."
0: Yeah. It's completely uh, it's it's, like, it's it's just sort of like it does feel like it's an entire everybody's sort of running either like either a cover game for him as a person. It, like, it's really like, again, yeah. like, I don't know, man. Like it's, really like, yeah, this movie was like, really interesting, but also same, physically exhausting to watch. Like if I'm being completely yeah. honest, but
1: the, the same thing in the moment of the film and, and crumb with the racism of, of some of his stuff, Crumb is on record as saying, "You know, I'm dealing, I'm dealing with the stereotypes that were in the media I grew up with, and uh, people who come from that same context understand that I'm uh, mocking them." But like, uh, I don't get it. But that's not what he says in the movie, right? What when the racism comes up in the movie, we get Tina Robbins saying. This portrayal of this black woman clearly she shows Crumb's inherent racism. We get the American critic, the male critic whose name I can't remember. I don't remember any um, critic's name. It's okay. Who <laughs> says that these aren't these aren't really Crumb's feelings? He's mocking racism, which is a very common defense of things like right. this. And in the nineties, yeah, that's that was the intent in so much work like this. Uh, whether or not that pans out. Uh, right, <laughs> we could argue on, and I don't. I don't think it's worthwhile. Right. Um. To to, I. What I mean is, I don't think it's worthwhile to make art that does that. I have in the past done things that do that, where where my intent is, well, I'm mocking. Yeah. The the,
0: the the art by, like the, the art from what I yeah, think. Mo- it's yeah. it's a bad it's a bad game to play, and you shouldn't do it like right. straight up. Right. Like right.
1: Just... The problem the pro the problem with uh. Doing what you think is over the top racism to try and mock racists is that you're never going to be over top <laughs> the top enough to express an opinion that isn't actually a real opinion held by someone. Right, uh, and and, and you are a,
0: going yeah. to you're going to run into the English, the the internet like the same problem that like internet uh sarcasm runs into, which is yeah. like you are indistinguishable from the
1: thing that you right 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 yeah that you're mocking. And uh, You always
0: but, will be. It's just it's
1: impossible for you not it, to be. In that section about those particular works, Crumb doesn't make a defense of the racism. Crumb doesn't say uh, that uh, I was mocking racists. What Crumb says is the LSD liberated me and I drew this without thinking about what it meant. Right. And what Crumb is saying in doing that is that this is my pure id. Right. This is yeah, my I know, pure know, subconscious. Yeah. And anything else he says beyond that he's already said that and right. that's what he said and in the and movie.
0: we and we and we can know right like i mean when you look at yeah. those especially the racist ones but the sexist ones are the exact same way uh but in a different yeah. way like those the 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 extremely racist ones are indistinguishable even on even on a basically artistic level from the work something you would see in late 1800s dutch like comic <laughs> like, books right, like right. it's it's in yeah. the artistic style re- like references it the the yeah. the 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 actual content reference is, is a basically identical it's he's just playing out his his internal fantasies in in art form which is you know like whatever i guess you know i mean it's not it's not the yeah. worst thing that anybody has ever done on earth like, I'm not going to get into a late, like a mid-90s thing where you're like, oh, publishing this is a crime against humanity or something like that. Right. Uh, right, right. But I think people who like it do need to internalize what that means as a person, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's a thing, right?
1: Um. Yeah. Robert Hughes, the British commentator who, who we frequently talk about here, um, I think... Oh, he's Australian, not British. Actually, I mean, he's. Uh, yeah. I'm
0: gonna sorry. get real racist. Good man, fuck it, close enough. That's, <laughs> I
1: in in hearing him talk in this film, I assumed he was British because his accent was not strong enough in a way that made me. It think wasn't.
0: He was it wasn't st- stereotypically uh, Australian enough. I can't. I'm not good at telling yeah. the
1: differences. Honestly so, speaking, so. so sorry, sorry for sorry in, for any Australian listeners. That, I'm very sorry to imply you're British. Um, yeah, you know, him talking, he, he sounded like Jeremy Clarkson to me and he kind of looked like, yeah, Jeremy no, Clarkson I agree completely. Why, yes. That was my Maybe I mean, that's draw why I assumed as well. he was British. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it seems to me looking, uh, cursory looking to him that a lot of, a lot of his work, particularly in this time period is, uh, defending people from the PC police or something. Yeah, he's straight.
0: That he he sounds like when uh, he talks, there's a straight line between that and the shit we hear on, like, on the internet and on TV now, right? Like, there's a straight line between yeah. this and, like, culture war bullshit, right? Like, he's very clearly, he talks like a proto, typical a 90s version of the sort of prototypical, you know, culture war dude. Like, and and I and, and a lot of that tends to be smoke screens and very disingenuous statements to like yeah. muddy the water, right? On things.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's maybe maybe where I don't like the the commentators they chose. Mm-hmm. I agree. Is I, that is that the people they chose are sort of extremes of one. Yes, and, and I think d- th-
0: it was a bad choice. I uh. think yeah. It kind of ruins that part of the movie for me. Like, I don't. I, when I talk about hating all the people, I mean all the people who. Are, I mean, I dislike the crumbs right, right, for their right. own for who they are in many yeah. ways. Yeah, but like, yeah. I'm talking about all the extraneous people that they gathered seem to be there to make this sort of those yeah. sort of extreme points and and to make it seem like it's an argument over whether or not crumbs art is valid or not. Or, and like, right. I dislike right. him and I dislike. Uh, and I and I dislike um, was it Tina right like uh, what was her Tina yeah. Robbins for Tina the Robbins. for the opposite reason but the same it's the same reason which is like the idea that this yeah. this this work is is abhorrent enough that should almost sounds yeah. like should be banned or something I don't like yeah I just don't like any of them
1: <laughs> I don't know enough about Tina Robbins to to explore this I don't know uh, but I do find it interesting that the feeling I get from this movie at least. And maybe if I revisited, there'd be things she said that would counteract this and I'd think about it differently. Uh, But having watched it once, the feeling I get is that uh, she is someone, uh, she's a white woman who knows Crumb uh, personally and seems to be more willing to uh, uh, sort of and and step away and talk about the sexism of crumbs work as not being reflective of crumbs actual sexism which uh which we see him exhibit right which doesn't seem (laughs) accurate anyway but yes yeah yeah but talk about his racism as if it's actually him when all we have at least from the film wise all we have to to talk about Crumb's race relations is his work not (laughs) not anything he actually says um Except for the fact that he justifies his work by saying it was, it was LSD stream of consciousness, which implies to me, right, that's that something uh, that
0: that's in you, and there it
1: is, that's you go. internal. That's not a conscious choice to mock something. That is that is an internal, uh, yeah, something you're presenting. I, I from, realize I also said her name brain. wrong. It
0: is Trina, not Tina. Which yes, is true I, that. I I that well the thing is is like kind of just like and I don't know anything about her, okay, like other than what she appears in this movie, but a cursory glance at her work is she seems more self aware as a as an artist than than he does. Uh, uh, yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Like she seems to be more purposeful in what she makes. Out you know, and, sort of outside her art, I mean, but like with a with a with a goal in mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I think that's true of the other uh, female cartoonists we see, even even Crumb's uh, 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 relations, um, his yeah. his wife and and his ex girlfriend, who who are artists themselves, right? Yes. Um, that uh, you know, just being a woman in the comic industry, but particularly in the outsider comics industry, uh, is tough, and you gotta. You got to be for for Robert Crumb. He didn't he didn't need to fight, right? uh, To be sort of accepted here, and and Crumb himself talks about how uh, people who liked his work were people he couldn't stand, Uh, and that that implies to me that you know I'm not trying to downplay Crumb's artistry. I think there is talent here. He's drawing things that I don't particularly enjoy looking at, but sometimes he does draw things that I. That I think I mean, yeah, I mean
0: at. that's that's my feeling on uh, it as well. So
1: Yeah. And I think I actually think his uh his genesis, uh his graphic interpretation of Genesis, uh I flipped through it before. I've never owned it, but I flipped through it before. And I I, I think that is a a very interesting artistic work. Right. And and again, uh, I,
0: I as I said, like <laughs> I like work yeah. by people who were who very clearly but, took inspiration for Crumb's work. Yeah. Like and so that's kind of where how I come by him in general.
1: Yeah, but without saying it. But I think it is implicit in in some of the things that are said. Uh, a lot of the women cartoonists that we talk about or talk to in this film uh, are and should be resentful of of Crumb for right. for being popular for doing what he does. Uh, and like, yeah, Crumb like like he drew he drew the album cover. He drew the one rock concert. Quoto. And and he's he has open contempt for those artists,
0: right? Yeah, and that and that feels bad, uh, right? Like w- as we watch it, yeah. we've and I don't know if that's the point when we're when it was made because it's really hard to yeah. tell, right? Because again, this movie does lean into sort of a '90s detachment in a certain sort of way, right? In the late '80s, early '90s, sort yeah. of like disenfranchisement, sort of detachment from you know, what I mean, this like it has a certain sort of that kind of vibe to it. Um, and so it's hard to tell what the intentions are always, always are with yeah. what's being presented. But um, yeah, like it feels bad, at least to me, it feels bad to watch a person talk about the work of others with disdain as though it's not yeah. valid because it, he, because he right. doesn't in that way,
1: like it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's his relationship to pop culture. Period. In, in general, and, you know, yeah, I makes, mean, but but makes... it, it feels
0: it feels worse when he's talking about like, oh, that kind of music is bad. I, it's you know, yeah. whereas whereas like, if he talks about Adidas shirts, I don't really give a shit. Like, un, uh, relatively un unimprincipled and non like, backed up by theory, contempt it, for consumerism is fine. Whatever. Yeah. Good job. It's well, it reminds the early me. 90s.
1: <laughs> um there's a book on the history of conservationism, uh, by John Muallum called Wild Ones. Uh, and in that he he dedicates a little bit to uh a theory he calls uh shifting baseline syndrome, I think is the terminology he uses. Uh and he presents it from from the scholar he borrows that from uh the idea that uh you know, 300 years ago, uh, the biggest fish in the sea were uh, were all fished to non-existence, basically. Okay. So we moved down, down the food chain to the next step. But that became what we were nostalgic for, what we compared it to in the past, because that new generation of people studying it came on, and that was the norm. That was the status quo. That all of this stuff already already disappeared, so so uh, you know the huge cod are gone now, and we're fishing, (laughs) we're fishing smaller fish, whatever they are, uh, on down the line. Uh, And that shifting baseline is that each subsequent subsequent generation only knows what they grew up knowing, and doesn't look to the past. In the same way that the previous generation looks to the past, because they have that personal experience of the previous generation, uh, and they're talking about, particularly, they're talking about uh, animal diversity, right? Right. Uh, not just fish, but but insects as well, and how you know, the first generation of insect people, people studying insects in like New York and San Francisco, uh, had you know thousands of species that no longer exist. Period. Right, right, right in those places so you can still go out and find a lot of insects but you're not going to find the the diversity of the past uh and we can still lament that in the past 10 years we've lost 50 percent of this massive you know or whatever the numbers actually are uh but in the last 100 years we've lost 99.999 percent of the same yeah so anyway it all it all that whole idea of shifting baseline syndrome i bring up because it really when i read it it affected not just how i thought about conservationism but how i how i thought about people in general right how i approached these ideas of nostalgia uh and crumb rejects 90s 80s 70s consumerism culture uh but embraces just an older version of that right yeah that's that's my
0: problem it it it, what it is like but what (laughs) and i know i know where you're coming from like you you've got a very valid theoretical model behind which that all sort of operates yeah but what it is is, a theoretical
1: model to to complain about this though
0: right well but the thing about it is what what it struck me is is because you encounter this all the time it is it's it's that sort of – especially that was extremely common though, specifically in the 90s, like early to mid-90s, was a contempt oh, yeah. for consumerism without any analytical framework to regard it with. And so it was just like that kind of – it felt yeah. very – in reality, the contempt for consumerism itself was very shallow. It wasn't based on yeah. like an understanding just, of how you know, this system operates or where it comes from. And it was just like, it's why oh, man, you're everybody's wearing advertisements on their shirts. Like, well, that's not – Yes, that is true, but you're not providing an analysis of that. You're just annoyed by it.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, it's why this movie caught on with Gen X people. Right, and it feels like a Gen X Robert movie. That's Crumb, what I'm
0: talking about. That's yeah. Gen
1: X shit is what that yeah. is. Ro- Robert Crumb exhibits that, that Gen X nihilism about the current state, uh, but also he's a boomer. Uh, <laughs> right, um, which, I mean, but that's know.
0: the thing, right? Is like you got to remember that each successive generation operates on a, a sort of furthering and like w- modifying of what came before, right? So Gen X right. has that sort of nihilism, but it's very much based on their experiences with the boomers, right? Like, right, right. It just right. is. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of times the people who are popular when you are young are people from the previous generation who express the things that are now popular in your
1: generation, right? Like, and Crumb's yeah. like that, right? Like, yeah, Crumb, yeah, Crumb wants critical approval. He does, yeah. Uh, you know, one of his complaints, his you know, sort of ambiguous, you know, uh, <clears throat> trying to be detached complaints about this movie that comes up in Jonathan Rosenbaum's essay that accompanies the Criterion release. Uh, one of the things uh, Crumb says is that he got uh, the quote is uh, the film got more reviews and write-ups and articles in the space of a year than my own comic work had gotten since I first became a known artist in 1968 uh, Crumb wants that external validation yeah absolutely Crumb's nostalgia for a time when what he is producing would have gotten him arrested is bizarre to me.
0: <laughs> well, keep in mind, some of what he was producing would have gotten arrested. Not all of yes, it, yes. because again, I point to nearly all of the racist <laughs> stuff would have been right, right at right. home in late, ni- like late nineteenth-century yes. Dutch, like things meant for kids, down to right, the art right. side.
1: And in, in his, yes, and even the sexuality, in as much as it is aimed at. Non-white people, uh, yeah. uh, probably would have flown all right in most of most of the times he's nostalgic for it too.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you you are right to say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a time that exists where I, I know what you're saying because, like, the some of the overt sexuality. Yeah. Like there is definitely a period of time that he longs for, that, where he would have been. It would have only he been arrested, in very specific kinds of magazines.
1: Even if he weren't arrested, he certainly would not have any sort of critical right acclaim. The sort that, of critical that—that that is true. That, that he seems to want right. Uh, that validation, but that, um, but
0: that. Keep in mind that's that's cla- That's some classic boomer shit right there, man. Like right, longing right. for a world that didn't exist pining yeah. for and of course you know
1: yeah and of course that validation has its own uh psychological stuff going on right? yeah with all of the crumbs yeah too. right uh
0: I mean yeah they have a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there in that family yeah
1: um, I will point out uh Zwigoff himself has described this film as an incredibly subjective film uh and he means that by saying, his hand is at the till and he was going through some shit, (laughs) uh, while making it. Yeah. Yeah. There were points, there were points he said, you know, while making it that he was living on $200 a month and could barely get out of bed because of back pain through the six years of making this film. Uh, you know, he was super depressed. He was suicidal at points. What that affects are the choices he makes, right. As, as we see what gets shown, what doesn't get shown, who we talk to, uh, no. Zwickoff is making these editorial decisions while he is not in the best headspace. Right, he admits that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've known some pretty repressed people in my days. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up in an American evangelical uh, purity culture. I mean,
0: you've you've pretty much known some of the most repressed people. Certainly in America,
1: all of the crumb boys take take sexual repression, take Catholic guilt to to a level that uh, thankfully uh, I have not seen personally. Yeah.
0: I mean, Um, you know, and and you do you do. I, for one, uh, basically up until you get to the towards the end of the movie, Uh, I kind of wonder how much of it is kind of a show. Yeah. It does I mean, feel like even, they're kind of putting on air, like kind of putting on a thing, right? Even
1: even before Max starts talking about uh openly admitting uh to sexually assaulting women yeah. in the past, which which uh, you know, the way he talks about it also feels like these are fantasies he is sharing now. Yeah. And maybe fantasies had I mean, maybe me fantasies pretty, that he based played in particular out in real life, realities. right? Like Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know if they were played out. I I think It's impossible know, to his tell. His description of certain events were that they were they were fantasies then, and now he's talking about them as if they were fantasies. Yeah, and but
0: that, that's the thing is it's impossible to tell. It really is. Like yeah. I get but it, I kind of oscillate yeah. between the two points of view on it.
1: Yeah. Even before we get to that point of the movie, uh I have in my notes that it's insane very very weird that Robert Crumb is the most normal of the Crumb brothers. Right. Uh, or at least the most social of the Crumb brothers. I don't know if he's even the most normal. He's just the most sociable, uh, the like, most charismatic.
0: It, it, but uh, it is it is hard to tell how much it it, it does feel, I, and I, I mentally made notes of this throughout the... At times it just feels like somebody's putting on a performance for the camera yeah. to like be... Yeah, Matt even more fucked up than they actually are. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I
1: mean? Yeah. Max, Max does feel that way. Um, Charles, I'm not so sure about. I yeah, think Charles, I would,
0: I would agree with that. That does feel like the, well, especially when you get to the end and you find out the sort of like title yeah. card at the end, it does, that does feel
1: more yeah, true. that Charles, Charles did have deep rooted problems. I think, uh, in as much as we can believe, any anything they say about their father and their parents uh relationship growing up um i think it would make sense that charles not being being the oldest son and not being the manliest son uh never never living outside of the home period uh you know he says he's lived with his mother since he graduated high school. Um, they lived with their mother before they graduated high school, obviously too. So, right. um, yeah, you know, I think I think I don't think anything he does is performative in the well, same way. That no, I mean, I almost would. I everything would... Max does is performative. Yeah,
0: and um, and I would agree with that. I would say that, like, but like that's the problem is it's hard to read that in the moment because yeah. the way it's shot and the way it seems to be. Because he's addressing the camera directly and you combine that with meeting Max and, and having spent a fair amount of time with uh Robert Crum as well yeah. so far. There feel it's really hard to separate performance from reality. And like yeah. and I do think he does put prod- on I don't think his, his mental issues are performance, but he is putting on a performance otherwise. Like the way he's yeah. talking and to I his brother and the way he's talking to the camera feels performative,
1: right? He particularly particularly the way he interacts with his mom on camera, yes. I think feels feels that way too. And it's yeah um, you know, it reminds me very much of gray Gardens in that, you know not just that we're dealing with people who have obvious psychological problems, but also these are people who uh, do crave that outside validation of who they are uh, and are are using the opportunity of a film crew being here to to perform right uh and that's definitely definitely true uh i mean it's true of the all Maisons three leaned into it, that yeah, yeah. the Mazels leaned into that in great gardens more than i think Zwighoff is prepared to lean into that here but i think zwikoff's producers are aware of that uh and i have to say
0: i think because he every so often we, we way more than we did in louis which is not still not very much but Zwickoff does yeah. ask leading questions. We hear them on right. tape sometimes, Yeah. and like maybe Zwickoff maybe didn't have that as an intention, but he definitely identified it as an interesting f- subject for film. Listen.
1: Again, as I said at the top of the square, Zwickoff is approaching this as a documentary about all the Crumb brothers, right. and we we as an outside audience have no desire to know anything about any crumb brother who isn't robert crumb right, right right so uh you know even looking at the marketing of this movie and how this movie is talked about no one talks about this movie as a documentary about the crumb family right this movie right. is <laughs> this movie is about robert crumb
0: right and, and, it, uh, and it still is right because it we even they charles and max both are pushed to ask to answer talk about their brother and yeah. their relationship with their brother, with relationship to their growing up and things like that, like, he is still the centerpiece of it, right? And, like, Zugoff knows yeah. that. Like, I mean, Zugoff can say it's about all the crumbs, but, like, Zhukov also knows this is about our crumb. Like, it just is. He knows it. Right. He has to yeah. know it. Because, like, the way he asks questions, like, at least when it's edited, at least, at the very end when it's edited, when he sits down and edits it, like, everything still uses crumbs. Robert Crumb is a nexus. You know what I mean? Right. Like it all spins off of him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It 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 just I don't know. The whole, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Max is extremely annoying. To, like is is frustrating. I I found Max's whole yeah. thing. I don't want to live through Max's fantasies. I don't want to have to deal with Max's right. fantasies. Max's fantasies are extremely gross. So are yeah. Crumb. Like so are our crumbs too. Uh, right, like, right,
1: uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what what marks Max and Charles as uh, as different to Robert is that they are antisocial in their lifestyle, right? In a way that Crumb's work is antisocial, but he himself apparently can't be, uh, and uh, maybe maybe that's pathological too. But like, you know, if. If if the Grateful Dead had approached Robert or Max or <laughs> Charles or Max to draw draw a poster for them, uh, they would have said no. You know, there's right. a reason these guys never they would have recoiled like comics. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I you mean, know, Robert prob- started pre- ro- re- Robert released his work to be made. You know, to to gain an audience, and then resented that audience, and that put him in a position of power to be able to resent that audience, right. and that's that's me that's me psychologically beyond the film, because right. that's not something the film actively well is dealing.
0: Yeah, with. but like I mean, we get we get sort of we get a lot of Robert's like antisocial sort of perspective. Pretty early yeah. on, when he describes his relationship oh, with like women in school, like when he was when he was yeah. a teenager, he's he is indistinguishable from men's rights activists. Like as a the right. way he talks, like he is he is he's proto like, right. oh why and, do they like all the jerks? When I was such a nice guy, and it's like, crumb, I got bad news for you, bud. You were not a nice guy. Like using- they they saw exactly who you were. <laughs> like bad news, using man. Using these
1: women's. Presumably using these women's full legal names. Yeah. As he draws them from yearbook photos and and, and is constantly sexualizing them selves. throughout the entire time, right? Yeah. Like just talking about uh, like
0: not talking about them very much as people at all.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't Crumb is not self aware enough himself to see the problem there, but I have to believe that that Zwighoff knows what he's seeing. Yeah. And knows what he's showing. Of course, right? Uh which you know puts it we talked about this with gray gardens too uh that sort of i can't believe i'm getting this on camera relationship between the documentarian and uh and the subject uh is exploitative uh but also just it's gross. Uh, it is, it is.
0: <laughs> Well it's gross because it is exploitative. It is it's all nasty. And it, and it, here's the thing though. Here's the thing. And are it's measles, actively antagonistic though.
1: Yeah. But okay, please go. Okay, ahead. But here's
0: sorry. my here's my problem with grey the difference between this and gray gardens. I I one hundred percent believe that they in the Grey Gardens that they are completely lacking self awareness about what's happening here. I'm not convinced at a root level that Crumb doesn't know what he's doing and that, that this is the game he plays. Where his self his lack of self-awareness is a is a shield, it's a protection that defends him from attack. That he can say that like he's putting on a show that allows that, that is exactly what his audience is looking for, right? Is this show right? Because we watch this show all the time. This is the men's right activist, like the shitty guys on Fox News game. I. This is a proto yeah, version of it,
1: but it's the same game. I. It's like, what are you mad about? I will. I don't know. I will push back only, only to say I think it's worse than that. I think that Robert Crumb is so upfront with who he is here, not because he's not ashamed of it. But because he uh gets off on i, I also think
0: that's boy. true, i do i I believe what you're saying, I also think that I was yeah. trying to like kind of work our way towards that in the sense <laughs> yeah. that like I and not even necessarily to say I think that this performance gives him a sense of power right that he right. feels and, the- and this is what his audience is looking for, like yeah. th- his audience is getting the same sense from reading his work in a lot of ways, right right that this is this is sort of gross and illicit but like i can say that it's n- that like actually that's not what's happening here i can right. pretend like i don't know what's going on like i don't believe crumb is actually not self-aware i am f- dead certain that he is yeah. self-aware that he knows exactly right. what he's doing and that this is probably a game he learned at a very early yeah. age and has been playing his well,
1: entire life if we are, if we are right to read Robert Crumb that way, then that informs how we have to approach Max Crumb. Oh, which I believe is exactly exact true of Max Crumb. And,
0: and I think Charles tries, but I think Charles legitimately suffers from extremes, yeah, psychological problems. That pro- Charles is the only one we see described in the movie as actually experiencing direct physical violence from his father. Right, like in severe right. violence. Like. Broken yes. collarbones are severe violence. Yes, the others don't describe yes. those things, but we talk about that with Charles. I, I'm not, not, not that I'm saying like Charles obviously is putting on a show too. He is performing for the camera, but Max is also, I think, a showman, just not as successful as his brother. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what we, what little glimpses we get of Max's life outside of his apartment are that uh he goes into Manhattan and uh does a yogi shtick. yeah with a, a begging <laughs> bowl a and all of, yeah
0: and and, yeah. and and produces work that he seemingly does yeah. occasionally sell charles produces yeah. nothing charles is in- seemingly incapable of producing anything yeah like we see what happens as Charles degrades over time because our Crumb shows it to us as, like, he goes from making art to making words to making nonsense. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it, I don't know. It It's just, I don't know. In the end, my point is that, like, Crumb, to me, Crum is aware of who and what he is. And that doesn't change the fact that, like, there's artistic merit there and and that sort of stuff. But like this is to a certain extent a masturbatory exercise for crumb, for our crumb. Yeah. That we are participating in.
1: Uh I think it's interesting uh Max and Crum has his own Wikipedia page. Yes. Uh and looking at his his work even what is described as his early work, it doesn't seem like anything he produced that wasn't Robert using his work in something Robert was producing. Uh, it doesn't seem like Max had any any interest in his own work outside of Robert until after this movie came out. And even then it's right. not really outside of Robert, right? Um so yeah, I don't know. Uh he did sell stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we you see, we talk, see like, has talked about collecting art from all three of them. Right.
0: And we see uh, like in this, w- he shows off some of his work and it has a, yeah. a refinement to it. Like, we don't get any of that from Charles, like at all. Yeah. Charles has nothing to show. Max does. And I think that's telling, right? Like, in, in a sort of like broad sense, right? Like, Max has. Something to like present to the camera. Some of it's a shtick that he's doing, and then some of it yeah. is like his actual work that he's made, which is which is tangentially connected to to Robert Crumb's work. Like it, it like it all. It has it's kind of of a different style, but of a piece as well. Um, to a certain extent, it sort of has this feeling of maybe he's like got a plan to sort of drift on robert's coattails and sort of just like use that to keep going keep going but like either way like you don't just we just don't get that from robert or from charles like that's just not a thing we get from him and you can see a real obvious difference between the three brothers there um and uh you know how how self aware or not self aware max is i don't know we don't we don't spend enough time with him to really get a feel for that but um like robert is is a, is aware of who and what he is do like who he is what he's doing um and like that's a thing that also is important right because if one dismisses the sort of coy Oh, I mean, I don't know where this comes from. What? why are you looking at me like that? I didn't what did I say? Like, I don't know. I'm just telling it how it is. Like other kind of like men's rights, sort of like all that kind of like I don't know how to categorize it. I don't know what the word is for it, but that bullshit that like you see all yeah. over the place of like avoiding responsibility for the things you make and say. Um if you dismiss all that then like you you know as an you know as audience we have to kind of think about it right and like the reason i said that i thought at some point we would end up talking about like death of the author as a as a as a thing is yeah. because when we is because i i saw something the other day that made me annoyed but like death of the author is used as a tool to avoid responsibility for coming to grips with the artist is I think a very like I understand that like if you read the original sort of paper about it that that is the thing, but like using it as a way to dismiss criticism of the of the of the originator of the work and is is I think a dangerous thing to do also. And also I I really think like if you like a thing, one of the things you have to do is come to terms with the fact that like, well the author is in that thing. Like, you can't avoid the idea, like, yeah, you have a right to interpret it however you want and, like, and think about it in whatever ways you want. But it's also, there's a lot of value in coming to terms with the idea that, like, well, that person is in this thing. Who they are is in here because they made it. Like, if you like a Polanski movie, you have to come to terms with the fact that, like, a known, like, rapist is is in this he's in this this person is there they're they they're, who they yeah. are is in it because you cannot make war art without putting yourself into it and crumbs the same way right like the work he makes comes from him from inside of him and so if you like it you need to come to terms with that internally i'm not saying you you don't you shouldn't like it it's okay like you're not committing a crime by liking it you're not doing a bad necessarily but right. right. i think you know and then, like, fine. But, like, you have to come to terms with that. You have to internalize the fact that, like, yeah, I like a thing by a guy who's a creep. Like, yeah. no getting around it. And, like, his right. creepiness is in here. And especially with, the, like, Crumb's work, it's very much in here.
1: It's very in there. It's yeah. it's super
0: in there. There's no getting around that, man. Like, that shit's there. Um, And, you know, I think refusing to come to terms with that is a problem that we see multiple people do in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. You're Like no, no, it's fine. Like you, you know, yeah. it, it's you know, it's just artistic expression. You know, again, express like the dark sides of yourself. That's there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Right,
1: right, yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't. We've talked about this in the past uh, because I think we've watched movies where where it's really come to head. Where you know I don't like work that is transgressive for the sake of being transgressive. Right. Uh, Crumbs work. I don't think is necessarily transgressive for the sake of being transgressive per se. I think Crumb is exhibiting in his work something that is within himself, and he's doing it in order to transgress, but transgression isn't the end right. of what he wants. No, he's, yes. I, he's I, doing I do it to transgress that. so that so that he can be shamed and he can get off on the shame. Uh, <laughs> Is, is maybe the end I see.
0: Yeah, um, that's definitely positive. But, I also think that, like, I mean, he knows that, like, he recognized at some point that there was a valid financial concern in that transgression. And so to a certain extent, I think yeah, he also yeah. gets... He he tra- he does, to a certain extent, transgress to transgress, but, like, you also do get the impression that, like, he like This is the art he likes making, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that either, right? Like, right.
1: And... You know, in, a, in def, To defend Crumb as a satirist, which we can do, uh, the point of much of his art is to say, I am saying the thing that is always boiling under the surface in this middle-class, white, American lifestyle that I grew up in. Uh, and by making it making it overt i am satirizing it um which is you know the the bulk of american satire right that, to, that's true i will show say the, that like a lot of
0: people get confused crumb too get confused <laughs> with this is what's yeah. boiling under the surface of me versus this is what's boiling under the surface right, of right, right, america right, right. like people who yeah. do this have sometimes a hard time telling the difference right like some of it a hundred percent is what's boiling under the surface of America. Agreed, completely. He does do that quite often, right? But then some of it's very obviously, no, 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 Crumb. This is what's boiling under the surface of you. I don't know <laughs> that this is a writ large thing across all of America. Sometimes it, it depends, each each piece is different, right? And he sometimes I think probably legitimately not not this is not a thing where he's like feigning lack of self awareness. I don't think some always he can tell the difference between those two things. Yeah, yeah, or or cares to even doesn't does or cares whether or not it is one or the other. Because I think probably for him they're the same thing.
1: The reason Crumb's mother is the way she is, and the reason Crumb's father is the way he is, are are cultural, and and uh, um, and I don't mean cultural to pathologize it to to the culture they come out with and come out of. I mean to say they are systemic they are uh products of america uh, yeah. being what america is um that you know he uh crumbs crumbs uh, father uh chose to act in violence but his desire to have a son to join the marines is not uh it's not abnormal
0: right it goes much deeper uh, than him as right. a person specifically right um yes and and, and that's kind of what i've been getting at sort of off and on is that like well i will say that i believe Crum is self-aware about like what he is doing Crum, like many people like him does not have an analytical framework with which to regard the things that he is talking right. about and that's why he constantly falls into the hole of like oh this is what's boiling under the under the surface of America versus this is what's boiling under the surface right. of me. He has no tools for distinguishing those things. Right, he made it probably doesn't is, care to. But like neither does a lot of his why, audience.
1: I would say either right. Right. Like, which is why when he cont- when he complains about modern society, it's it's purely it's, it's meaningless. It's aesthetic just like, yeah. aesthetic consumerism is what he's complaining about. Aesthetic consumerism. Yeah, I get it. It's dumb, but it's a symptom. It's right. Not, exactly. And that's and that's what I've been getting. And real.
0: and and his work displays that too like kind of as a yeah. like we see his sketchbooks we see a fair amount of his work in this like I mean obviously it's not a high percentage because the dude is insanely prolific yeah. but like you know a lot of his comments are on the physical aesthetic elements of society rather than anything deeper than that right like he's got his little arrows oftentimes point towards merely aesthetic concerns yeah. in his work and that's where that's where we get into the idea that like people who came after crumb who you who took things from him but took but actually applied like deeper more critical frameworks to it their arrows no longer point at merely aesthetic trappings you know what i mean yeah and actually start to talk about like actual societal like issues that crumb doesn't actually seem to be necessarily all that interested in engaging with right Crumb doesn't have right. a desire to change the world. He has a desire to complain about it, but not a desire to f- change it in a, a meaningful way.
1: He has a desire to caricature it.
0: Yes, uh, and, and again, and it's very much in yeah. in that sense. It's it's boardwalk character a characterization in the sense that like it's it's mostly aesthetic. It is.
1: Yeah. Right. Like you know, even when we get the sequence of him uh, sitting on Hate Street in San Francisco. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as he's walking, he's passing some unhoused folks. Um, there's one point early in the movie where uh, someone who seems to be unhoused uh, maybe recognizes him or maybe is just recognizing the fact that there's a camera crew here. So he should, he should try to get some money out of them. Um, but then later in the film, sort of just after that walkthrough, through, Hey, um, we get a series of sketches of unhoused people that he flips through. That we see, and they're all they're all caricatures. They're all meant to be laughed at, meant to be looked at and disregarded. There's right. no there's no heart in in the work he's doing there, and that's that's pure punching down. Period. Right. That's, yeah. And, and I'm not. I don't want it. Don't need it. Well, uh, and, yeah,
0: and keep in mind that, like, Crumb, as a, as is almost a lot of his art is punching down. Not all of it. Yeah. But, like, when he, his, by nature and, of who and what he is, when he makes v- extremely aggressive and derogatory comics about women, he is also punching down. Like, in the sense that, like, right. in just sort of purely, like, the way our society think, ends up being structured, that is a, that is a... exerting your power move, right? Like he's not, you know,
1: and some of it he'll justify as being self deprecatory because the sex obsessed men in his, uh, in his stuff are all based on him. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, they, they're dumb in the story, but, uh, it's not. It's. I mean, he he might want to try to argue that he's punching himself as much as he's punching anyone else, but he's not. He's not. Uh, Well, and you know, I don't know that he's even ever presented that as a defense of what he's doing. Anyway, you know. Most, I mean, most he does a little. He does kind of be... talk
0: tendentially about that stuff in yeah. in this so, a little I, bit. It I does kind of so. come up, not a lot, but
1: so much of the defense of his work feels like it boils down to, well, the people who grew up the way I grew up, understand it and get it. And, uh, and that, pa- that, that suggests that everyone who, who gets his art and reacts to it, uh, actually understands where he's coming from, which is dangerous for someone like Robert Crumb to believe. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't
0: know that I, I don't know. while I talk about him as being self-aware. I don't know that he necessarily believes that. I just think he doesn't care. I I will say that self-aware, yes, but on a fundamental level, Crumb doesn't care and doesn't have to care.
1: I would have loved more about Aline in this movie uh, because I am fascinated by someone who has chosen to be involved uh, with Robert Crumb for that long. (laughs) Yes, Uh, me me too. Uh, We get a little bit of her saying, well, that's not the Robert I know sort of things as defenses of his sexism or racism um, but like when he's talking to the old girlfriend and they're flipping through the sketchbook from when they were together and it's like well why is why is there a sketch of me on this page and then a sketch of Aline on the next page and then another sketch of me on the next page why why were you going back and forth in one notebook at well, the time I mean, we were mean and together? she even
0: talks about him cheating on her like yeah.
1: regularly right and and he cheated he cheated on his first wife and we we hear from Dana and Dana uh it's actually kind of fascinating that Dana is only talked to about about Crumb as artistic right she does not talk about their personal relationship at all in this movie that I yeah. recall uh which is very interesting because uh when when he met Aline uh, they were I mean, they were dating for years before he left Dana, right? Like, you know. And then when when that girlfriend talks about it, he gets this Groucho Marx grin on his face.
0: Yeah, <laughs> really that, shitty. Like, real. Like, yeah. Well, he's he's that yeah. he's that kind of guy that like he's he's very very dismissive of like anybody the else's feelings. feelings, of feelings. Others, period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he just he doesn't, doesn't care he doesn't feel like he, feel like he has to op-
1: care Yeah, he doesn't feel like someone who's ever apologized in his life uh, and that that sort of entitlement uh, from someone who seems to be justifying it because uh, he was bullied in the past well um, yeah it's
0: a combination of I was bullied was no good. <laughs> girls treated me like crap in high school that the same old yeah. garbage and then like also like Combining it with it, like, well, well, you know what you were signing up for when you met me, that kind of shit, too. Yeah. It's sort of there, it's yeah. Sort of...
1: Yeah. And you know, even even that lady in the gallery where she starts talking about how his work made her feel sexually empowered, uh, and he starts playing with her hair and massaging her shoulders, and then uh, <clears throat> jumps on her back while they're walking down the hall. And she's like in front of all these people, Robert, like giving him the soft nose, like calm yourself, and Robert doesn't he has no he doesn't need to be shamed in front of all those people because I think we are right to say, um, yes, yeah. he wants to be shamed in front of all those people, um and that's that's not not a good place to be uh as a person who exists, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we,
0: yeah, I, you know, the documentary itself on like a kind of fundamental level is interesting because like, yeah, I, well, number one, I like it whenever we get a documentary in this thing, fucking regardless almost, but like, also, I, I enjoy sort of seeing the spectrum of, of documentaries. I like kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, the documentaries fascinate me it's, in a really su- extreme way.
1: um. Yeah. Zwickoff's documentaries are an interesting addition to the documentary canon of the Criterion Collection. Absolutely. Uh, and and I'm, I'm I glad find to have watched both of them.
0: I I now better understand why you might put Louis like I I don't know that like this is a purposeful choice they were making about Louis Louis and, and Crom. Like obviously those are also two both successful things that he did, so you would just put them in anyway yeah. because you're like but they do feel because of who they're about, like opposite sides of a coin like if i you know if you ask me like which of these two people would i rather spend time with based solely on what i'm told in the documentary i would my answer hands down i know who that is but also like the documentaries feel different like yeah louis is is nostalgic and like kind of has a heart to it about like wanting to like capture a person like almost as a desire to like capture someone and in, in and in a time before it disappears whereas crumb there's no risk that's just not what it feels like right it's more like look at this fascinating person that I can yeah put on screen
1: we joked in the introduction that crumb moving to rural France was a a desire a, a rejection of American i mean culture they they him the and his
0: wife and I mean explicitly spell it out like they literally talk about like their their friend who's like had a giant i guess like i don't know what sports team was supposed to be but it was a giant sports helmet chair and like a big fat teenager playing mario on like a four foot screen and which is hilarious because like anytime i think about the 90s and screen sizes it's it makes me laugh but like whatever
1: and even their even their daughter wants an oakland raiders starter jacket or whatever you know before before they are moving this 10-year-old halfway across the world. Essentially, um,
0: apparently, to isolate her from modern society. <laughs> yeah. Which they seem yeah. to be actively I, doing on a regular basis anyway,
1: right? I wonder how much of that is uh, trustworthy. What they say about wanting to isolate from modern American consumerism uh, and how much of it is... Uh, I don't want to put this all on a lean, uh, and I don't think it would be all on a lean, but how much of it is removing Crumb from other people? Uh, I thought that or, too.
0: I, I thought about that as well when we were going through it. It's like, oh, maybe if we can isolate him a little bit, he'll be a little bit less
1: yeah. who he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you know, I've never... I don't I don't want to suggest that there would have been active reasons for that but the way we see him act there could be uh
0: but I would also regardless of whether or not I I have a, a, a an additional thought about that, that this may be where you were mentally going with it too like there's yeah. there's the whole like him being kind of you know him being gross but like also there's this thing where like no matter how much they like to dismiss financial success Clearly, he's a financial success and they make money. And one right. has to wonder if at some point there's some sort of financial considerations there where it's like, oh, maybe we need to make sure he doesn't ruin himself to the point where like we can't make money off of him anymore.
1: Right, right, maybe, maybe. But you know what I
0: mean, right? Because like, Crumb ex- exists in this really specific bubble where if he goes too far, he just will be worth nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, even in, you know, even in 1995 terms, like he could do stuff that pushes him past the boundary that he can go and still make money off of his work before it becomes, oh, no, you've tarnished your reputation. Now People just don't buy your work anymore because you're the guy that and then insert thing that he did. You know, probably there's family reasons, but there's also I would wonder if there's some financial reasons of like, oh, you need to protect your financial situation. We sure do get a lot of complaints about you here at the agency that (laughs) represents you. would be nice if we got fewer of those so that we can keep making money off your work. Because, like, I mean, we see a very performative thing of him yelling at some Hollywood exec or something on the phone and shit right before they move. And, like, like, let's not pretend like you're not selling your work. Let's not pretend like you're, like, an ascetic that, like, lives in a mountain and, like, doesn't make any money off of this work. Like, fucking no. Don't pretend. I mean that you didn't buy
1: the a hundred
0: thousand seventy eights with like but why working at a gas station <laughs> yeah. or something. Like don't bullshit me, man. Yeah, the,
1: the story is the move itself was financed by selling six of his sketchbooks. So there
0: you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean
1: I I missed that, but like
0: but that means he's a going financial concern. I don't think that's in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like that's a going financial concern, right? Like he is a financial concern and like finance like Artists who cause like certain kinds of problems can f- that. I mean, now we might appeal to a different kind of collector. He may still be worth money, but you know, I, yeah. I also wonder, you know, I agree that there's probably some family stuff there that is like, <laughs> let's get him away from what he keeps doing. If he behaves like he did at the art gallery, everywhere he goes,
1: like, whoa. right. Right.
0: Does he still currently live in France? Uh, yes, to my knowledge. because okay. like I was um, trying Aline to figure it out on the Wikipedia, but I couldn't get a handle on it without reading the whole thing, and I don't, well, can't do that no. while we talk. I'm not that um, good of a reader.
1: Aline passed away from cancer last year. Yeah, uh, but to my knowledge, they continued to reside in France.
0: I mean, it it is also interesting that we we see him with two of his children, his two children, very, you know, very far apart in age, but like. The daughter we see him engage with as as a in, in a sort of pretty fatherly fashion to a certain extent right show affection and then the only way we see him engage with his son is in a very sort of business like i'm your art teacher sort of way, which is um yeah', is yeah interesting that as relation
1: well. the relationship with with the son does not feel uh good
0: yeah no i mean the son like literally two camera addresses like no i this is not a person from whom i get affection yeah it's fascinating that he is in this movie very much at all right, right
1: yeah uh he is as i understand it uh that is he's dana's son
0: Right. Yes, um, that was my my. First I, I assumed because like I couldn't figure out any yeah. other way to make that work mentally. But
1: I never saw this before. I didn't know a lot about Crumb, uh, and I could have lived my life for the better not knowing now as much I know. Right. Well, like I knew uh, a little bit, but not nothing I,
0: about him as a person yeah. at all. I mostly encountered like. Well, the thing is, is like you can encounter Crumb in a really interesting way, which is like people will talk about their their inspirations for things and reference crumb and you'll get a couple a couple little quick like well there's this one and there's this one and this one but you don't get the whole i've never read a crumb comic you know i've never dealt with it actually i've never dealt with anything with crumb with words attached really everything i've ever seen is like you know you'll read something about like you'll watch a video about ralph bakshi and like there'll be a reference to crumb like tangentially that'll bring up a couple images here or something like that you'll 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 that happens a lot because he's influential on a lot of artists but like they don't ever show you that much because what you're actually with what you get now that I kind of understand better what you're trying to what they're trying to avoid is implying that like that artist was directly inspired by a pretty upsetting person an artist, right with (laughs) a pretty upsetting work so they avoid showing you the things that like we saw in this right they show you yeah. a still image of like uh what what's his name the like uh mr natural or but like it won't have any words attached it'll just be a picture of him or like or a really right. innocuous cell where it'll be like Fritz the cat but it'll be another really innocuous cell that doesn't really tell you anything about what's going on in the comic or something like that you know yeah. and so like that right. was always or my they keep experience on trucking with him stuff yeah exactly so that was always my exposure to him and then now here i've like overloaded. I'm like, well, I've decided I don't like Crumb's work. I did not know I didn't like Crumb's work before because, again, I like people who are inspired by his work. But, uh, no, I'm not a big fan of Crumb's actual direct work. Not for me. Turns out. Yeah, learned something new uh, today. Also, had a damned of a time trying to watch this movie today because, yeah. yeah, this none of this is appropriate for my family. And I don't want my family exposed to it But, you know, like, I'm trying to watch it in the middle of the day today. And, like, well, I mean, usually I have time at night and I can watch things like this at night when, like, nobody's around. But confluence of circumstances, I had to watch it during the day today while trying to clean house. Like, (laughs) and essentially banishing my children. No, you're not allowed to come in this room where dad's working because you are in no way allowed to see any of what's going on on the screen. I don't want you. I don't want any of this entering your minds. Uh, so I guess that does tell you a little bit about my feelings about it. Like as far as like the people who are talking about whether or not it's dangerous for children and like whether or not like these sorts of influences corrupt children and I, you know, me complaining about like anti video game warriors. I still don't want my children looking at this. I don't want, I don't want to, exp- I don't want to be actively expose my children to it.
1: In August, 2011 following concerns about his safety, Crumb canceled plans to visit the graphic 2011 festival in Sydney, Australia after a tabloid laid him a self-confessed sex pervert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in an article headline, uh, cult genius or filthy weirdo. Um, I wonder if the, I wonder how legitimate the concern about his safety were. Uh, obviously I don't, I don't, I really feel like Robert Crumb would not be offended by being called a sex pervert, calling him a self-confessed <laughs> sex pervert. I mean, he bore uh, a borderline maybe...
0: says that multiple times about himself <laughs> in this movie. So
1: yeah, what a weirdo. Uh, yeah, and not not really a delightful weirdo, unfortunately.
0: No, uh, not the not the kind of weirdo that like makes me like happy. I saw a story about him per se, but
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly this movie makes me pity Charles a lot.
0: Yeah, that's uh, definitely that's, true. Yeah, that, the, I, I the primary,
1: the primary feeling I I take away from this movie is pity pitying Charles. Yeah, I agree uh, with that.
0: I can I cannot argue with you about that at all. Yeah. It's weird because they, multiple times, Robert tries to make sure that we pity him, that like yeah. Charles was overbearing and like an asshole and stuff, and like oh, it's like, well, man, Charles seems to have gotten real bad into the stick on this whole thing and the end, when it all comes down to it he's not
1: doing well where him and charles and mom are all sitting in the living room that sequence where where robert keeps like charles mentions that that he's on tranquilizers and robert makes a joke about it and and charles like you know very seriously says uh you know, talks about how he, he feel, still feels suicidal despite being on the medication, and Robert jokes, jokes about it. And he says, yeah, but I always, it's worse when I'm not on the medication, right? Right. And he's just being, he's fairly straightforward seriously yeah. talking about his mental health issues. And, you know, it feels like, and obviously, given given the events we know, from from the postscript of this right uh charles is not in a good spot uh mentally throughout his life um leading to a suicide by overdose um but robert's reaction to him talking about taking medication very much feels like the sort of reaction one has with uh I think this is true for a lot of a lot of people who have family members who acknowledge these sorts of mental issues that are really genetic or or uh, you, know, um, you know they're not just nature; they're also nurture. Um, right? They're they're indicative of, of of the family in a way. Uh, Robert's reaction feels like the sort of person who says, "Your attempt to." use therapy or medication to get better reflects poorly on me. Yes, I agree with you. So I have to, I have to mock you about it. Uh, And that's, that's the feeling I get from Robert Crumb in that situation. And it's just another, another scene in this movie that makes me not like Robert Crumb. Right. Yeah.
0: I I agree Uh, completely. Yeah. I mean, he, he in general seems dismissive of Charles's issues throughout. Ooh, yeah. I mean, like that's that one's particularly egregious, but he does also kind of belittle him multiple times about like that so, sort of stuff. In other times in the movie, like that's the most
1: overt. But yeah, I, I agree completely. Right, and I, and I will say, you know, we we have the hindsight, not not exhibited in that moment, right, of of knowing where this ends, and therefore knowing. That it is real and it is really bad <laughs> that uh that his brother may not have in that moment. Yeah. That's um, true. So Although we that. don't
0: when we're watching him do that either. Like it's worth noting right, that Zigoth right, right. awesome saves that for the end of the movie. So like to a certain <laughs> right. extent, make sure that we're in the same position as Robert yeah. is so that like right, we can right. kind and of that's... make our own our own call on that. And like it feels shitty when he's doing it too doesn't just feel shitty is, after you find out, you know, once right. you have hindsight.
1: That is one thing that comes back around to, to the Maisels and, uh, and gray gardens, particularly, um, and even salesman too, I think true for the Maisels. Uh, it makes, it makes Zwickoff feel actively antagonistic to crumb. That to is true. Him, that, that particular choice
0: definitely film. does.
1: Yeah. And that particular choice really cements <laughs> it yeah. feeling actively antagonistic, uh, and you know, we get, we have on screen him talking, uh, Arkham talking right before the move. One of the final things we see is him talking about, well, I feel kind of bad leaving the sun and leaving Max because he doesn't feel like Max has any friends besides him. Um, which you know may may or may not be true as well because that's Mac that's our crumb is the sort of person who would position himself as Max's only friend uh even if it weren't true that he was right. Max's only friend uh so it ends on this sort of crumb acknowledging that he's running away from people he should care about right i would understand if there were stories about <laughs> Robert Crumb being mad at Terry Zugoff for this movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's uh, There doesn't true. seem to be. Uh, which just I think further.
0: <laughs> I think it cements your previous points, points about in. Crumb yeah. himself. Yeah, R. Crumb right. himself about right. like whether or not somebody making a a a really negative movie about him would make him yeah. unhappy or not.
1: Uh, yeah, and,
0: I I will say that, that like in a way you brought we bring up the measles, but the funny thing about it is is like. I don't actively dislike the Beals in the way that I dislike Crumb. Like, oh, no. Crumb, like at being actively anti-antagonistic towards our Crumb feels like a fairly reasonable position to put yourself in. The
1: <laughs> the Maisel's portrayal of the Beals is we should laugh at these people, right? It is
0: not kind. And it is not good. Don't get me it's wrong. It's not kind. And but it's also, but it's I think not the fact. Yeah.
1: yeah. The fact that the Beals are old money uh, makes them sort of acceptable targets. Right. Yeah, we talked ways. about that when
0: we talked about that movie. Yeah. And, and, and and yeah, that is true. Like, I mean, that is a thing, right? Uh, yeah. But Crumb feels like way more of an acceptable target as a human being, honestly <laughs> right,
1: speaking. Right. Crumb's right. just a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, like, so we don't need to... You don't need to justify him being an right with the Beals. You
0: because... you feel both. You it does. What makes that such an interesting piece to a certain extent yeah. is it. It's they're acceptable targets, but you also do feel pity. Like you watch them, yeah. and you feel you are supposed yeah. to laugh, but they're you can't. There is no way a, you cannot
1: feel pity about them. They're living in a house that's falling apart and full of raccoons and caught fire. Uh, right, you
0: feel pity then, about them, and and you yeah. don't feel pity towards Crumb at all at, at any point in this movie, even a little bit. Like,
1: yeah. I mean that's why you know the, when documentary now did a parody of Grey Gardens, uh, their punchline was that they were secret cannibals because that's really the only way to go with that to make it right, right, yeah. Turn it into overt horror again. Yeah, you know, my my takeaway from this is is pity for Charles, uh, worry for Max, and I don't care about Robert anymore. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. So congratulations, and, and I, yeah. Yeah. congratulations to Zighoff for actually making a documentary that makes me feel things about. All three Crumb brothers. Uh, True. Even though it is marketed as a documentary about Robert Crumb. <laughs>
0: so, right. Yeah, I mean, and uh, and I, you know, if if Ziegoff's goal was to make a piece for us to understand what kind of person are you know Robert Crumb is, also very successful. Like I now know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot more about him than I needed to, and frankly, know exactly how I feel about his art now. Fantastic.
1: Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, we will see from Zwigoff again in the distant future, but not another documentary because he never made another documentary. Well, since uh,
0: this one seems to have damn near killed him,
1: it uh, seems like a reasonable <laughs> choice. <laughs> right, 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 Yeah. Uh, eventually, Spine 872, we will watch Ghost World. Next week, we'll be talking about L'Enfance Nous by Maurice uh, Pilat. Uh, we've seen one Pilat film before, and I will forgive you for not remembering it because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I I vaguely remember. It's New Some More*, which was a 1980s coming of age film about a, a teenage girl. Okay, three thirty-seven. It's been a good number of years. Four four years since we watched it. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Looking at it in in list. Uh, we watched Days and Confused right before it and Equinox right after it but even just beyond that was Malay's Elevator to the Gallows Harlan, Harlan County just before and Yee uh, and Coco just after it. okay. it's yeah. just a lot of it's kind a of lot of movies and... that are really prominent in my mind yeah, and me too, yeah. in Is the it, middle yeah. of it so <laughs> yeah thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion I'm as always Vietnam Glass with me as always John Patrick Overtario Dorgan and we'll see you next time Bye. Bye. has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Overtari-Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.